0: Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technologies. I am your host, Tiasza Zajc, and this is the final episode of a short series about digital therapeutics. If you're new to the podcast, here's a quick summary of what was covered so far. In the first episode, basics of DTX were presented. In the second, the relationship between digital therapeutics and the pharma industry. And we then move to presentations of concrete examples of digital therapeutics. The examples you can listen about are Hello Sunday Morning from Australia, which offers a program for decreasing alcohol abuse and changing relationship to alcohol. In the previous episode, Mark Lieber, VP of Business Development at Kaya Health, talked about managing chronic pain and COPD with a digital therapeutic program.
1: So at six weeks what we saw uh, is that there was a non-significant difference between the pain level improvement on a 1 to 10 scale between Kaya and control groups. So what what that told us uh, is that over six weeks uh, the groups performed quite the same which is actually not not a negative result in our minds, that we we're actually quite excited by that, that somebody could get a nearly the same benefit going to in-person physiotherapy, as well as compared to Kaya. Uh, then we followed the groups over 12 weeks and we saw uh, some differences start to appear. The Kaya group actually used Kaya about three times per week throughout the therapy. And we think that's a big reason why the Kaya group saw significant improvement in pain level at the 12-week time point, and there's actually 100 participants in total.
0: And today, you will hear how India-based company Wealthy, one of the largest DTX companies in Asia, is tackling diabetes and other chronic conditions in Asia. I spoke with Abhishek Shah, the CEO and founder of Wealthy. He talked about the importance of understanding that healthcare is always local. And shared some vivid examples of different rules of engagement with users in India compared to the West. Enjoy the show. You can find recap of this and other shows on our website www.facesofdigitalhealth.com. And if you like what you will hear, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps spread the word and help those that are interested in digital health around the globe find the show as well. Thank you. Abhishek, hi. Tell me, how are you doing these days? How is India currently coping with the COVID-19 pandemic? It's a very populated country and very different from the Western countries where most uh, audience is from.
2: Hi, and thank you for having me. I'm doing really well. Um, I've had the fortune of spending an incredible amount of time with my younger son, so which really is thriving as you otherwise I never seen. So I think personally, the lockdown has been fantastic from bonding with family. Otherwise, everyone readjusts as an entrepreneur. India, to be honest, has taken some really bold steps. Uh, the law, It has taken an entire nation on lockdown for now over a month. So while I'm sure it, it's deeply hurting the economy and it is um, obviously affecting the livelihoods of a lot of people, the fact that we're at the numbers that we are at for 1.3 billion people is just astounding. Uh, remains to be seen how we will continue this because healthcare infrastructure is not as uh, prevalent as those in other markets, uh, and obviously the economy will will have a, a long journey ahead. but for now, I guess uh, the you know holding the fort.
0: So how is healthcare changing um, as such in this situation? You are a healthcare company and you are aiding diabetes patients to take better care of their health. How is that visible, this effect of COVID-19 on what you're doing?
2: We're fortunate to help uh, patients with diabetes, hypertension, dyslipidemia, um, early onset chronic kidney disease, and we're actually going into a few more. The fact that we can't go to office has not halted our ability as a digital health company to provide care um, the platform was built for remote patient management and monitoring as an as as a small part of the larger digital therapeutic that already existed so that's the 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 you know the thankful part that we as an organization were built to ensure you know not just business continuity but uh, the opportunity to improve health outcomes is actually increased and we're seeing this. We're seeing this on the other side. Uh, patients are are looking to us to solve uh, and help manage their conditions more uh, in these times of needs when they don't even have access to basic primary care to the quality that they're used to. They're depending on us to be able to play a meaningful role in their lives. And we're seeing that in um, in, in you know the the early signs that it doesn't matter whether the patient has diabetes or uh, blood pressure issues or their lipid profile is out of control across. The board, we're seeing uh, renewed, stronger interest for digital health to now be a part of their journey.
0: What about on the patient level? I don't know how much analytics you have about specific patients or just cumulative uh, anonymized data. But one of the sociological things that happened is that, for example, people are eating more comfort food, which in terms of patients with diabetes can be problematic. Are you noticing any trends in the way that patients or your users behave? Did you have to adjust anything in your solution?
2: Oh yeah uh, and, and that's the beauty of uh, of a, of a digital therapy where we can adjust real time there is a complete shift in patterns a commute has gone and therefore activity has gone down uh, in a lockdown environment when people most people don't even leave their homes how do you enable that healthy level of activity? Uh, on one side, you have eating out and delivery that has lessened, but on the other side, you have comfort food that has risen. So, how do you engage with patients more? How do you enable them more? And how do you, you know, help them have a bit of fun and variety in what they do? All our touch points have changed in the in, in the way in which that touch point is handled. You know, where you, uh, it's more involved, it's more interactive. We're sharing more ways in which you can be creative at home. We're finding ways in which we can help our users to self-monitor and manage their condition at home. Absolutely. All of the above is changing and it's just, it's extremely dynamic. So to, uh, to say that we've hit a new normal with respect to what our patients uh, need it would be, would be not, not the correct response. It's an, it's an evolving, ever-changing journey and we're adapting as we go along.
0: What is the structure of your users? In 2018, India launched the so-called Modicare, which is a health insurance scheme which is supposed to cover the bottom 40% of the population. Uh, so I was really wondering where Modicare is at the moment and did it affect you in any way?
2: Modicare, I mean, it, it's... it's... First and foremost, it hit almost 550 crore, so that's 500 million citizens are eligible in this scheme, not just for all things healthcare, which was already out, but including COVID. Now, this is the bottom of the pyramid first and the middle of the pyramid after versus our patients are on the other side. So it's a, it's a small intersection at the moment. We hope as we are able to scale and give more and more patients access to our digital therapy that this will intersect as it intersects in the short run we don't expect it to uh, be uh, positive or negative because we today um, uh, are not covered under modicare but as we show the clinical outcomes and we are able to help patients in that those that are covered by modicare we will see a delta change
0: I think Modicare was launched end of 2018, right? So it's now uh, a year and a half since it was supposed to take place. What's your observation? Is it working? Is the infrastructure ready? Because when the idea came out, there was some um, criticism that this is more a political move than anything else. The promise about, of of Modi care.
2: I think beyond um, the fanfare on anything politics, uh, there there is a meaningful impact that we have seen on the ground. Be- people that did not have access now do. People who uh, otherwise were out of completely out of the uh, the healthcare ecosystem are in. And in a country of this size, uh, you know they they are the ones that need to be taken care of first. Has it actually penetrated to the level at which it should have? Is the quality of care, uh, you know, as good as it needs to be, Uh, does the breadth of coverage uh, equal to the fanfare that it initially started with? All of those are work in progress. But the reality is at a grassroots level, there there seems to be a meaningful impact.
0: You are a digital therapeutic leader in Asia. And before entering the market, many Western companies already try to succeed in Asia with little to no success because, as you mentioned, for Forbes India in 2017, the genetic makeup of Asians is different. Uh, The behavior and values are different. The culture nuances are different. And this all affects any company that tries to enter a new uh, market. So can you talk a little bit more about some crucial differences and how they affect behavioral change and the design of your solution. So how did the whole environment shape your thinking when you were designing the solution?
2: The best way to enter any market is to think locally, right? And that's the healthcare is intrinsically, the care delivery of healthcare is local. Um, Today, as we expand into any country, if we don't recognize that we have to uh, ensure our platform thinks breeds um and and reacts locally, you know we will fail when we started our journey in India. it was that same first principle, which is let's talk to patients let's talk to physicians, let's talk to family members, and start from first principles to understand the the gaps and then design a solution to To address those gaps, when you have markets in which the payment is done by um, a private insurer or a public health system and the, uh, the health economic related outcomes that come with a delta improvement in somebody's health is meaningful. You're able to charge a high enough premium to justify the incredible millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that goes into the R&D because you can amortize that. But when you're looking at such low-cost markets like India, which such frugal healthcare delivery systems and... You know, when ninety nine percent of doctors don't even use an EMR EHR system, and you have, you know, uh, physical paper prescriptions uh, dominate. You have, uh, you know, the, the pharmacies are dispensing drugs on a brand basis versus dispensing it, you know, in in uh, you know, you know, in, in a bottle or a vial, which uh, which is generic to whichever company manufactured them. You have an entirely different ecosystem. So we basically engineered for that reality. And we work towards ensuring that that reality was factored into our thought process when it came to building our therapy. And we genuinely believe that that's helped. Uh, That's one of the reasons why we've been able to think local, behaviorally, culturally, uh, delivery system wise, price point wise, uh, language wise, And as long as uh, we continue to do that, we hope that we will continue to be successful because you keep your ear on the ground. So uh, price points, the way in which access is delivered to patients, the acceptance of the healthcare infrastructure around so that you're able to ensure that all the stakeholders in healthcare that are playing a role in improving health outcomes of the patient all are able to play their role using the systems and softwares that you bring to the table, but not changing their respective workflows. Uh, All of those have helped and frugal innovation has got up to where we are at. uh, And we hope that that, Uh, continued uh, sort of focus on uh, patient first and and keeping our ear on the ground will allow us to expand into other indications and other geographies. Uh,
0: Given that we outlined the environment that you're primarily working in, I want to go back to the beginning of a wealthy story a little bit. So can you tell me the story behind the company? It's hardly five years old and has active therapeutic indications in hypertension, dyslipidemia, ischemic heart disease, heart disease, heart failure, chronic kidney disease, diabetes, and you have an upcoming pipeline in respiratory indications. It sounds a lot, so I'm wondering how you're choosing which area you want to develop next and are these that I mentioned uh, connected to the fact that diabetic patients have complications in this area, so it was easier for you to just dive deeper in those uh, areas.
2: We started, you know, like with every um, team begins, right, with personal problems. All had family members that were suffering from either cardiovascular issues or type 2 diabetes. Once it began there, it was fundamentally apparent that uh, you can't solve for a condition or an indication you have to fall, solve for the patient and their health outcome. So many of our patients had comorbidities of um, or cardiovascular issues with diabetes or diabetes with cardiovascular issues or chronic kidney disease issues with either of the two. Our initial platform actually succeeded on improving health outcomes in that type 2 diabetes, but abysmally failed when we were trying to do multimorbidity management. So... Literally, we went back to the drawing board and re-architected the platform for multimorbidity management because we realized that patient outcomes aren't about an indication; they're about the entire person. And if they have two or three conditions, then we have to find a way to help them for all those conditions. So, all our initial uh, therapeutics that we uh, that today are spun off into their individual indications and therapies started uh, as uh, as comorbidity management uh, within a primary indication, and then once we got good at managing the comorbidity. We moved into multimorbidity management. And finally, we were confident enough to be able to spin them off into the individual digital therapeutics, uh, uh, which are now standalone working to improve health outcomes. Respiratory Started with the same sort of use case of a personal problem. So we identified something that we wanted to solve, which was personal to families around us, and we went ahead to fix that problem. If you have uh, patients with asthma, I mean, the, the, it's it's absolutely uh, gutting what they go through. Same thing for uh, you know for COPD. The essence of the company has been with genesis on looking at problems that are around us and then finding ways to solve it. So while I can claim that um, cardiovascular conditions, uh, uh, kidney issues, and and diabetes all are interlinked, uh, I would definitely not say the same for uh, our respiratory portfolio, that uh, we actually challenged ourselves, that can we now build a platform which can go wider into more chronic diseases? Because we are, we are born in India, we look at Conditions that are impacting people in India first. And honestly, respiratory conditions are right up there. Um, So we took on that challenge and we've spent uh, a long time in actually building the portfolio. It just so happened that with the current environment, we've chosen to accelerate that because uh, managing respiratory conditions is that little bit that we can do to be able to assist those that are going to be going through uh, this or preventing themselves from getting in, in the first place. And uh, uh, that's going to be something that's really interesting. And we're super excited about uh, getting out the door uh, in a short amount of time.
0: So what kind of help do you think you can offer to patients with chronic respiratory illnesses? And besides that, um For a diabetic person or someone with comorbidities, can you explain a little bit how the platform looks like? Is it that uh, one patient has different specialists that he can connect with and those specialists also communicate among themselves? How does the solution look like?
2: Essentially, the platform has several components in it, right? So the patient will see uh, an interface which is largely driven through a mobile application, but there is a paramedical side to it. There is a physician side to it. There is an integration into EMR, EHRs. There are connected devices and there is an entire population level analytics layer. And all of these sort of are are a constant um, stages of iteration, augmentation, if you will. At the core, when you're helping somebody with a chronic condition, We focus on helping them improve their capability to manage their condition better. There is published protocols and incredible, incredible guidelines and and some incredible clinical research and trials that have already been done that have showcased how powerful you, you can make improvement in a person's capability, skills, ability to manage a condition. And that's what we focus on first. How can we enable healthcare to move from episodic care to continual care by making sure that every time a vital comes into the system, there's this real-time feedback on what to do next? So that we're able to help a patient uh, manage right there, right then versus have elevated uh, levels for an elongated period of time, because at the end of the day, chronic disease management is continual and lifelong. And as we improve that patient's ability to manage the condition, we're able to ensure that they are able to, you know, use our platform as a companion, if you will, to get better at that daily management, to which then sort of has a massive impact on their outcomes. To your question, and this is uh, the same formulas for all chronic conditions, right? So if you take an example of diabetes, how can I help somebody who has a hypoglycemia event, or is trending towards uh, a low blood sugar event, elevate that, tell them what to do next and help them get out of that as soon as possible. Inversely, if somebody who has high blood pressure, systolic or diastolic, how do you help them get down without necessarily changing the medication, because that we believe is a healthcare, is a physician's job, but uh, and a role, uh, but how can we sort of help uh, on the non-pharmacological side in a meaningful way? When we come to asthma, you're trying to reduce exasperations. We're trying to improve the number of symptom-free days and ensure that a patient is able to manage their condition and reduce their risk of hospitalization as well. Right, And that applies to cardiovascular conditions. So we still go behind the clinical parameters that matter in each one of our therapeutic conditions and indications. But the way we do it is focusing with the patient at the center and empowering the patient, both with real-time decision support, as well as uh, the self-management capability so that that combination is able to uh, to to drive better outcomes from their end and making the patient the center of the equation. What we do on the other side is ensure that all these patients can be managed and monitored real time. And if there is an escalation, that escalation can be triggered real time. We ensure that all this data and this abundance of amazing, amazing clinical data that's coming in is Available with the right clinical decision support back to the physician so that they, too, at the time of the next appointment or when they're looking at the patient, can decide better treatment pathways with the plethora of new information that they're getting and thereby further influence health outcomes. So it's a partnership. It's a multi-stakeholder effort that gets the patient better. Our job is to catalyze that in some way or form.
0: How did you manage to engage all the parties that need to be involved in this process? Doctors, nurses, patients. It's a lot of very complicated uh, uh, groups.
2: I wouldn't say we've been successful in every situation. So I I, I don't think there's a company yet who can claim. It it starts from um, just... um, uh, Working with, with those stakeholders. And it's the same reason why we are here and the same reason why we will continue to innovate. We listen. We spend a lot of time with each one of these stakeholders. We understand how they want it to work. They are, we, we keep getting those feedback loops. We keep uh, iterating with them and it's. Through iteration, for no lack, of, there was no magic pill that got it to work on day one. Um, it's a, it's an effort to be able to work uh, very cohesively with each and every one of your stakeholders and and get better and better so that you're able to be more of more value and more utility to them. That's the only way that you're going to improve that engagement uh, and uh, and and utility over a period of time.
0: So no secret recipe.
2: No, I wish there was. <laughs>
0: How many users do you have by now?
2: So we 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 just went commercial in 2019. So we have a little uh, south of uh, 30,000 patients uh, that have got on the platform so far. Uh, but we're super, super excited about the time ahead. We spent the first two and a half years in clinical uh, validation, in studies, where we, we were working very closely with patients, with family members, with physicians to be able to understand what was going right, wrong. And therefore, we did, you know, the one thing that some uh, R&D focused digital health companies do, but um, arguably not many, which is um, uh, spend a lot of time in, uh, in iterations and, in, and and working on the product and getting it better and better. So that when we were able to go commercial, we were able to sustain that commercialism from the time we went, went live. So yeah, that's where we are at right now.
0: You are a digital therapeutic, and which means that you have to have clinical validation behind anything that you offer to patients. So let's stop there for a second. Can you tell me a bit more about the clinical trials that you did? Um, what did they show? Did anything surprise you? How were they conducted?
2: The beautiful part about uh, being in markets which aren't necessarily as um, regulated from a clinical pathway, it meant it allowed us uh, the ability to innovate. So actually, the first study we did, we did it um, on WhatsApp where we actually worked with patients uh, and we delivered the entire therapy through WhatsApp to see whether or not this could actually improve outcomes. And that was amazing because it allowed us to go very quickly to market without necessarily the, the investment on um, on the product that there is today, but allowed the core principles of it to be tested. And those sort of innovations were what we were focusing on in the early days. So all our studies that we did, everything was focused on how can we take third party validation via uh, sort of a a lab test. Let's say it could be because the first one was in diabetes. We had... um, Anyone is tested by a third party. It was, a, you know, it could be a diagnostic lab or or an insurer or or a, or a health system. But how do we work that the time between two um, uh, sort of doctor appointments to see what delta improvement and outcomes we can bring to the table? And systematically, we focused on just those real world studies. So rather than do it in a clinical trial setting where um, everything would be slightly more artificial, we focused on the real world side of things, made sure that we were keeping patient patient safety first at the center of it all, and uh, did uh, a bunch of uh, studies and involved the right stakeholders at different stages of it. Uh, And that was honestly the the, the better part of our, our company's journey. And in that, initially, it was uh, patients and their physicians. Then it became. Then we we started working with larger clinic systems. We then did um, studies with uh, different types of insurers. Uh, we then did it with um, pharma and med device. Um, and in every one of them, we were you know getting better, getting stronger, learning from the previous ones. And honestly, the um, the surprises uh, knew no bounds. At that point, uh, we didn't realize that uh, um, firstly um the you know say say a, a very interesting insight was uh the elder the patient the more the engagement which was so contrary to what we thought we thought it would be the younger population and we were always a little uh you know cautious about that because we knew that helping patients with chronic diseases meant taking on patients who are slightly elderly uh what we didn't realize was that um you know um the 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 older you get uh, and this is only hindsight uh, you're more concerned uh, about your health, your health is a bigger priority, and you are, you have more time to be able to invest in your health. So things like that just completely threw us off. No textbook, no research would have ever prepared us for uh, the kind of data we saw on the ground. And And honestly, patient data insights continues to amaze us.
0: Two questions there. First one is, WhatsApp. I want you to tell me a little bit more about that. I'm constantly amazed how different role WhatsApp plays in India compared to the West, where I think we perceive it more as an alternative to phone calls abroad, or maybe chats uh, here and there. But like in India, you have huge groups Uh, that are dedicated to a specific topic or as you said uh, you had users there can you enlighten me a little bit more about the whole culture and acceptance of this app uh, in the environment that you're in to
2: to step back uh, i think it's really important to call out what is this environment so you're looking at an environment where hundreds of millions of uh, of individuals are coming online and have never seen a Uh, a laptop or a desktop their first device that they're ever going to get access to internet or they have access to the internet is the mobile phone you're looking at an environment where um uh, landlines and broadband is 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 not really seen at scale, but it is uh, you know wireless and um, and and you know 4G, 3G, and soon 5G is going to be the way in which uh, consumption dominates. You're looking at an environment where today the sheer amount of you know, credit, debit cards, and I don't have the exact numbers, but uh, broadly uh, the number of digital wallets that are there in this country is about ten times the number of credit and debit cards that are there in this country. Uh, it's incredible. And it's it, this is the environment uh, that 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 we're living in, and in that environment you see adoption of these platforms at an unprecedented scale. Today, um, you know, in China, you, you know, WeChat I think contributes to one third of all time spent in China on online. So WhatsApp in India, and and you know, there was a recent announcement where uh, Facebook uh, has invested uh, uh, close to six billion dollars in one of India's largest sort of uh, uh, industry. Uh, companies which also owns uh, india's largest telecom network now uh, just as an example of the way in which even commerce is happening on whatsapp you know the payments are, are will happen on whatsapp and, and this is a fraction of the kind of environment that wechat has created in china in their i mean you know your movie tickets your grocery shopping or your, your payments your uh, taxi booking i mean the sheer amount of use cases uh, that have been built on top of WeChat is astounding. Uh, So I think WhatsApp is, while WhatsApp is used Uh, with a very, very high depth in India. Uh, Honest to God, I think it's just uh, scraping uh, the tip of the iceberg right now. There's a lot, lot left
1: underneath.
0: The second question I had regarding your previous answer uh, on clinical studies was, did you mostly find participants for these studies through your already existing user base or through partners that you mentioned that you work with, so healthcare systems, healthcare providers?
2: Mostly it's, it was through partners. Uh, so we today still remain um, uh, a, a, a largely B2B2C company, which means that uh, we uh, patients don't come to our platform directly. They're either uh, prescribed uh, by a physician um, uh, directly or indirectly onto the platform or part of uh, an insurance uh, cover or um, a, a means I mean, where we're, we're combined with, with specific drugs or med devices from our early infancy even from our study uh, study recruitment it was always um, enterprise driven because we genuinely felt that when you're dealing with uh, chronic diseases going b to c is uh, is not the safest way to go uh, there are a lot of potential adverse events that one needs to manage and um, it's to do it right you need uh, a multi stakeholder approach
0: do you have any community activities for all your users cuz i think if you're if you're B2C, you know, it. I, it's in some ways, I think it's much easier to create a community around your product compared to uh, selling to enterprises where you have to focus on outcomes, not so much as on what users think, but what the buyer will think.
2: The way we look at community is slightly different because we operate we're, we're more and more operating in um, in regulated environments um, and it's very important to ensure that uh, users can you know can benefit from all the uh, strengths that a community brings to the table but at the end of the day a user, if they recommend the wrong thing to another community, you, a community member, that can actually have an uh, a, a not intended outcome. So it's something you're, you're, you're it's something that B two C companies, you're right, find it a lot easier. We navigate through the waters slightly differently. Remains to be seen what the evolution of community will be as we continue to work in that environment. But one thing is for sure, we will not ever lose that focus on the individual patient.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking that. Uh... You know, on the one hand, healthcare is very complex uh, and very, very regulated. So just from the company perspective and from the entrepreneurial perspective, it must be much, much more difficult to think how you're going to build a community, given that you don't really have so much contact with the end users, but more with partners and their uh, supervisors, in a sense.
2: Right. So uh, we do, in that sense, uh, talk a lot with individual patients because the entire journey that each individual patient takes on our platform is unique to them. And therefore, we have a very, very, those that are authorized to see that data have a very uh, deep understanding of what that patient is and what their behaviors are like. It's more on, on how do you bring them together uh, in a regulated environment. That is something that we're still thinking through.
0: As we mentioned, um, you are predominantly working in uh, India. However, you're also expanding to other markets. So let's talk about that for a second. You graduated from various accelerators like Swiss Re Global Tech Accelerator, Lombard Nova Tech Accelerator, Merckx um, Accelerator. Uh, you also were a member of G4A uh, last year. So I'm wondering what was the final? output that you think you got uh, through uh, this uh, engagement given that as we talked before when entering a new market it's very crucial to understand not only the market but also the culture so were accelerators helping at that?
2: Uh, Yes uh, but at different stages of the journey so um, you know when we started our company accelerators were helping us purely to figure out what is the right. Uh, business model as we work towards, and uh, how how do we work with uh, stakeholders as we focus on clinical outcomes as we focus on patient outcomes because that was the one thing that was not going to change in our company that as a vision or a mission we wanted to inspire and enable 10 million patients to improve their condition by 2030. So that was a vision on which we started this company now if that was the case and we weren't changing that then it was more important to figure out how were we going to work with stakeholders so that we could improve health outcomes at scale. So every accelerator in the initial days, whether it was working with insurance or it was working with pharma in those accelerators, the larger goal of that was to understand how to work with those stakeholders, understand those stakeholders, because we understood the patient, we understood the physician, we understood the patient's family member, but we may may not have necessarily understood that stakeholder enough. That was the, um, uh, the role that initial accelerators really allowed us to do. The second part of that journey came, you know, as we evolved into a company where we found that product market fit and we started working closely with these enterprise partners. Then the role of accelerator slightly switched to be able to help us with building capabilities for markets which we didn't necessarily have capabilities for on one side as well as on the other to really learn how these evolved Partners in other markets have already partnered with digital health companies and their learnings of both success and failure so that we can take those learnings and really become a stronger company as a result. So that's been and so it's, it's been an evolution. As an example, it was our early uh, sort of work with our partners that got us to understand uh, how to work with um, uh, you know partners in Singapore. Uh, today, we're live in Singapore with our insurance partner. We're 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 go, we're, we're, we're yeah, going live with with a couple of other enterprise partners on the healthcare side. Uh, so we're already live in a second country. And as we, what's happening is in existing partners who are already working with us and are seeing the success of what we're doing are the ones that are nudging us to work with them in other markets it's one thing to sort of uh, to have that uh, uh, that validation that you know what we're doing works and you know uh, and partners are, are seeing the data as well as doctors and patients but it's quite another to build that competency to actually enter that market uh, we work very closely with our partners uh, you're on, on the ground from a cultural adaptation perspective, uh, complete uh, reimagining of the integrations and in the ecosystem that needs to be worked with in order to make the therapy a success on the ground. Uh, because it's, you're not starting from scratch, but you're definitely not able to just replicate. Healthcare does not work like that and especially does not work like that in, uh, in, in, in Asia and the Middle East, uh, which, are, which are the areas which we're uh, most excited about right now.
0: Can you mention any specific cultural differences that you came across or that surprised you? We already talked about the different way that WhatsApp is used in the West compared to India when, where you have these secret groups with uh, specific topics. Then, for example, in, terms of diabetes. I remember when I was listening about Mexico, where a big problem is the fact that uh, sparkling drinks are more affordable than water and they are embedded in the culture. And obviously that, that contributes a lot to uh, diabetes. So going outside your own very known environment, very known culture, what did you notice when you started interacting with other markets and cultures as well? I
2: mean, it can't even begin to sort of uh, peel the several layers of onions in that question. Um, maybe you know, it, it, it the the entire behavior is different. I mean, if you if you look deep enough, culture is is deep rooted in in every fabric of our daily existence, uh, from your uh, routines and behaviors to your uh, likes, wants, desires, to your goals, uh, to your uh, fears. Uh, to diet patterns, to the way in which you perceive healthcare, your relationship with healthcare, uh, your relationship with food, your relationship with medicine. Uh, I mean, the the uh, the list is, uh, I mean, honestly, too too long to count. But fundamentally, let me give you, uh, uh, say, some anecdotal evidence to 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 tell you where I'm coming from. If you take an example of a market like Singapore and you take an example of a market like India, in India, you have um, primary healthcare, which is still not uh, you know, of, of extremely high quality across uh, the entire universe. Healthcare is paid for, it's largely out of pocket even if you have insurance whether it is government or private it still uh, for the largest part of the the country does not cover your primary care does not cover your medicines does not cover your diagnostics so as far as uh, your relationship with healthcare it's to a large extent if it's you don't pay for it then it's probably not high quality Versus, if you go to you know market like the NHS or uh, you know wh- what you know market like Singapore, where uh, the government healthcare system is really really top quality, where you where you're intrinsically born in an environment in which great quality access to healthcare is already free, and therefore whether you pay for it or not, I am serious about my health in a different way, uh, and the the implications of that when you are actually interacting with the patients, it's, just, it's, uh, it's deeply rooted into the very fabric. And just to give you one example, there are many. It's much more than the way in which, uh, say, a customer or a patient interacts with a digital device or a smartphone or a connected device. It's, it's, it goes into many, many layers underneath that. Uh, and that's what makes it so fascinating. And that also is what makes it incredibly, incredibly hard.
0: You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health stay tuned and if you haven't yet subscribe to the podcast to be notified about new episodes automatically coming up very soon will be a special series about doctors who moved from medicine to entrepreneurship or simply love technology you will hear from doctorpreneurs from the us uk germany and more so stay tuned and before i forget if you enjoyed the show do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast It shows your support, which is the fuel for the show. Thank you.